the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back listeners. Today's episode is on a topic that I feel is one of the weakest areas of my clinical orthopedic knowledge and that is cancer. Sarcomas, carcinomas, metastatic disease at all is very scary, not only for the patient, but for me, it all makes me very nervous. So to quell some of that anxiety and to learn more about orthopedic oncology, we're hosting Kate Sinkowski today. Kate works in orthopedic oncology and recently gave a talk at our Denver meeting on bone lesions, evaluation, and management. And I'm very excited to have her on with us today. So Kate, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. So you mentioned radiation therapy. When is radiation therapy used in conjunction with surgery as far as oncology? I know a lot of it's tumor dependent and that sort of thing, but when would you use it? Would you use it before? Would you do it after? How does that work? This is actually a game we play with our radiation colleagues all the time. When it comes to soft tissue sarcomas, it depends on if the tumor is a low grade or not as aggressive or a high grade, meaning very aggressive cancer. A high-grade soft tissue sarcoma will oftentimes get preoperative radiation. We also call that neoadjuvant radiation, and we'll give them radiation before resection. It's a long time that patients have radiation. It's six weeks almost every day, so it's a very high dose, and then we'll proceed with the resection about four to six weeks after completing radiation in order to make sure that all of the radiation has taken full effect. Then depending on what our surgical specimen looks like under the microscope, were those margins positive or not, they may get a little boost radiation after. In a low-grade soft tissue sarcoma, we don't usually offer radiation. And we're really managing wound healing with radiation dosing when it comes to whether or not we do radiation before or after. When we do radiation before the resection, the radiation dose is a smaller field and it's a little bit smaller of a dose. When we do radiation afterwards, the surgical field, the bed is bigger. So the radiation area is much larger. So we consistently walk this tightrope of kind of adequate local control with a well-healed wound. And then when it comes to bone sarcomas, some bone sarcomas are not sensitive to radiation. An example of that would be a chondrosarcoma, like a low-grade, intermediate, or high-grade chondrosarcoma does not respond to radiation. So we don't offer the patient radiation in that sense. When it comes to osteosarcoma and Ewing sarcoma, we oftentimes do. For metastatic bone disease, the answer is almost always yes. We offer them radiation at some point in order to further kill those tumor cells, the microscopic tumor cells, and build up that reconstruction that they have. I think we touched on this some, but with the different, the three of the treatment techniques, endoprosthetics, bone allograft, and amputation, can you go over that real quick? Which technique would you use preferably for different types of lesions? It really just depends. And it depends on the kind of location of the tumor itself. I'm sorry to interrupt, but but I know you talked about the locations, but I meant specifically the lesions. So it's more where it is in the bone than what it is? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It depends on what it is and where it is. So for example, a chondrosarcoma, a low-grade chondrosarcoma will do a marginal excision. 
versus an osteosarcoma, which is a very aggressive bone tumor, then we'll do a wide resection with an endoprosthesis or a bone allograft, depending on where it is in the bone. So I'm a general orthopedic guy. I've been it for a long time. I've seen lesions, not as many as you have, but I see them occasionally. And when I see one, unless it's the non-osifying fibroma or something like that, I mean, or a chondrosarcoma, I, I just get nervous. When we see a new lesion and we're not sure what it is, I usually ask one of my ortho attendings, hey, what do we do? And they say, call Dr. So-and-so over at the big box orthopedic oncology. But what should I do? If I'm, you know, kind of practicing and I don't have access to orthopedic oncology or I don't have a phone number, how do I do this? Do I, what do I start with and where do I go? First and foremost, get x-rays. Even with soft tissue masses, go ahead and get those baseline radiographs. And the reason for that is insurance companies are notorious for denying MRIs and ultimately delaying patient care for lack of x-rays, even in soft tissue masses which seems crazy. But in some soft tissue masses, radiographs can show calcifications and can help better define our diagnosis. And then once a lesion or a mass is identified, don't be afraid to refer. You know, call your local orthopedic oncologist or his or her PA and, you know, have their cell phone number. I promise that you won't regret that networking. We're always happy to see patients for bone lesion or soft tissue mass. And ultimately, if you would like to start the workup, then the first modality that we use is an MRI with and without contrast. And the contrast really allows us to see whether or not this tumor has a blood supply. Cancerous processes oftentimes have a blood supply and therefore enhance with contrast. So we get really worried when we see an MRI report that says there's this enhancing soft tissue mass that is present in the patient or identified where they're feeling the palpable abnormality. When it comes to a bone lesion, there's a really well-known treatment algorithm for a patient over the age of 50 with a newly identified bone lesion. If for some reason you see this bone lesion and it just looks a little suspect and you don't have access to an orthopedic oncologist or can refer you know, the three things I'm thinking of are multiple myeloma, metastasis, or primary bone tumor. So our initial workup for a patient in over the age of 50 with a newly identified bone lesion, we're getting screening labs. So we're getting a CDC, BMP, SEDRATE, and CRP in order to look for some sort of infection because an infection or abscess within the bone can oftentimes mimic a bone tumor. And then we're getting patient-specific labs, and that means getting an adequate patient history. Do they have a history of thyroid cancer, or do they have a history of prostate cancer? If they're male, we're definitely getting a PSA. And then in addition to those labs, we oftentimes will get a serum protein electrophoresis, or SPEP, and that measures the protein levels within the serum of the blood for multiple myeloma, so that we're looking for the multiple myeloma and seeing kind of what their baseline labs are. So that's the baseline labs. So that's kind of an, another step that you can go to. In addition to that, we'll oftentimes get a CT of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis with contrast to look for a primary tumor because metastasis, as you know, are much more common than a primary bone tumor. 
So we're getting that CT of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis to look for the primary tumor. And then oftentimes we're sending these patients for a bone biopsy in order to have the pathologist tell us what this tumor looks like under the microscope. The screening labs, the CT scan, and a bone biopsy are important for this newly identified bone lesion in a patient because what we want to rule out or rule in is multiple myeloma, metastasis, or a primary bone tumor. That's in my differential when I'm thinking about a patient who has an, an, a bone lesion that's new. So recap, MRI with and without contrast, screening labs, make sure there's no infection. And CT scan, I think I would probably, in my practice, if I got the MRI and the labs, it's coming to you. You know, yeah, I, absolutely. I, carcinomas. We talked about sarcomas. You had said in your talk that the carcinomas are pretty much exponentially more common than sarcomas. What are some common metastatic locations? The spine is actually the most common site for bone metastasis, and other common sites include the hip, like the pelvis or proximal femur. And the humerus is actually another example of a very common site for bone metastasis, the ribs and skull. So those are all very common. Obviously, we deal mostly with the pelvis and humerus, you know, that sort of thing. We sometimes will do surgeries for tumors of the ribs, but we have our colleagues that are spine colleagues that help us with bone metastasis to, to the spine. You talked about Morel's. Did I say that correctly? Morel's classification okay. yep. uh, to help. Yeah, to help guide the, the decision-making for treatment. I wonder if you might talk about that process. And then also, you talked about a decision-making process of surgical stabilization prior to a pathologic fracture before radiation therapy. Can you talk about those things a little bit? We know that fixing a bone prior to it breaking is the best approach for the patient because it decreases their hospitalization, it decreases post-operative pain, it helps them tremendously in the long term from a function standpoint. So when we see a patient who has metastatic bone disease or a cancer that has started somewhere else and traveled to the bone, then we're evaluating them to see if we should stabilize this bone prior to it breaking. We take into consideration four main categories. So where is the lesion, the site of the lesion? How big is the lesion? What is the nature of the lesion or what kind of cancer is it? And does the patient have pain? So those four things help guide our decision-making process. The site of lesion, you know, is it in the upper limb? Are they not really putting any weight down through this extremity? Is it in the lower extremity, which they are putting a lot of weight down? Or is it in the trochanteric region? Is it in this precarious region that we know breaks a lot of the time? What's the size of the lesion? Is it less than a third of the cortex? Is it kind of somewhere in between or is it completely taking over this cortex? And third, what's the nature of the lesion? What kind of cancer is their primary cancer? Because some cancers build bone are blastic natures and other ones are lytic. So an example of a blastic lesion would be prostate cancer. It's, it builds bone and it makes it significantly kind of stronger. The lytic lesions are an example of that is a renal cell carcinoma. It breaks down bone. And then we want to look at the patient and ask them if they're having pain. If they come to us and they have this lesion in their upper arm, it's a prostate primary, and they don't have any pain, then we're not rushing to go to surgery with them. So 
a morale score of greater than eight, we recommend stabilization prior to radiation in order to prevent that pathologic fracture from happening. Kate, thank you so much for being on today. Of course, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. We also welcome you to visit our website, paos.org, where members can download virtual conference content and get Category 1 CME. For non-members, please visit the aapa.org Learning Central for the PAOS virtual content.